Welcome to the UK Consult Weekly Podcast with Jonathan Bradley and Elton Daddo, engagement practitioners and general consultation superheroes at Bang the Table in the UK. Hello and welcome to Jono and Elk's weekly ramble through all things online community engagement and public consultation. And I understand, Jono, we're joined by a few seagulls today as well. Yeah, they are actually more, they're noisier than normal because a lot of their chicks have hatched now. So there's a lot of um, lot of activity out there. And uh, actually the crows, they're quite mean. The crows try and steal the chicks. So there's a constant sort of uh, battle between seagull and crow. I don't get anything as exciting here. I get like a couple of pigeons fighting every now and then <laughs> and the cat looking slightly surprised. But yeah, I don't get anything like that. But also there's more and more people out and about, aren't there? So there must be more um, availability of chips for the, <laughs> the seagulls as well. Yeah, I think you're right. They're starting to get a little bit more excited. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like a fork in a world of soup this week. It's been I, I can I can frame that more positively by saying very, very busy in a positive way. <laughs> um, how's your week been? It's really good, actually. Lots going on around how we get better at online engagement. Lots going on around um, deliberative engagement and the deliberative wave. Lots more learning going on around how we can get people to participate online better, really. Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant, as I say, really, really busy. We do have a couple of really, really exciting announcements to make in the coming weeks. So our listeners will obviously have to stay tuned, as they would do every week anyway, um, and hear about that. And also, the football season is shortly kicking off again soon. So um, I don't know if that might be a Meldry moment, actually. but <laughs> I think it will be for some people. But didn't we have a great chat yesterday about fan engagement? Wasn't that wonderful? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. So Kevin Rye um, from Fan Insights, um, we had a great catch up with him and and his son. Um, And what they're doing is they're working to encourage a lot greater engagement and transparency between not just football, other sports as well. I think he alluded to rugby league or union. I forget which one. Um, So to get much better engagement between fan bases and local communities um, across a whole broad range of issues in sport. And what we're going to be doing is over the next few weeks, we're going to be participating in their podcast and vice versa. So we'll actually have Kevin and maybe one of his colleagues on um, to chat much more about that as well, because they're the experts in that field. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Yeah, and what struck me is that in a whole different sort of world of, um, of sport fans, they're having the same conversation around how do we get deeper, better, more engaging participation of fans? How do we consult them better? What methods do we use? Um, and like we bang on about not another hashtag, not another survey. They're kind of like not another fan meeting. Let's not make this about always commercial. You know, it's actually about getting fans involved to help the club, you know, and how fans are willing to do that if they're engaged and the, and the benefits of engagement. So like, yeah, all the stuff that we sort of have on our minds, there's a whole another world out there that I've not really been involved in. I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. I wonder if we can help each other. So, yeah, yeah, let's see how that all pans out. Yeah, I think it comes down as well to the L word, leadership. And we we see that a lot across a lot of the local councils that we're fortunate enough to work with. We see some really, really great examples of leadership on this front in terms of really involving communities in decision making across a whole 
broad sphere of things. And I guess he was talking about a similar type thing. So some of these clubs really do take a, a positive and bold approach and show great leadership. But a lot of that comes down to the ownership of, of the clubs as well. And like you say, it's really commercially driven, a lot of sales and marketing focus, and probably too much emphasis on that and less emphasis on actually bringing people into conversations that affect those local communities. So, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting thing to see how that progresses in the next few weeks with mutual podcasts. Now, I did have a bit of a cliffhanger from last week, which was around breaking the trance from Zoom meetings. Now, how many Zoom meetings have you had this week? Are you into the 50s yet? Oh, it must be. You know, yes, yesterday I actually thought I was suffering from dehydration. I've been, I just went from one to the next. Um, and, and Louise, my, my wife, came in the room and was, was like, you know, you need to eat. I was like, yeah, you're right, you know. <laughs> I, I reckon there's Zoom skeletons out there. People are <laughs> sat in their room and, you know, maybe they, they live on their own and they've just been on Zoom so long that they've just, you know, their bodies just stopped functioning and they're just a Zoom skeleton. <laughs> I've got images. I've got images of your wife with a wheelbarrow coming in with like one of those massive water coolers, <laughs> dropping it next to you with, yeah. with a sandwich. And and you know what it made me think about is we have a, a colleague and a friend called Helen Reynolds who she's a social media expert, but she's also a cartoonist and she does amazing cartoons around communications and engagement so yesterday I had this idea so if I say it now we'll remember it is that if we could get her to do like a zoom cartoon around zoom fatigue she may even do a skeleton one if we plant that idea <laughs> a skeleton with a water cooler next to them that's empty yeah. and it's just <laughs> completely <laughs> run out and the whole family's abandoned them and i was and we and i was having a i was part of a um sort of like an online event and we were talking about the zoom wave Everyone's, yeah. you know you ne when you left a meeting face to face you never waved at everyone like you know, no, but then you can't shake hands anymore. Right. So I remember way, way back um, in what feels like 1986 now, but March this year when I had my last face-to-face -face meeting in, in London and I was uh, talking to the, the people that I met with about how long ago that feels now and the fact that we all shook hands and, you know, it was probably three days before the lockdown was announced. It yeah. just feels really bizarre now thinking about that experience of going to a face-to-face -face meeting, shaking hands, sitting down, doing all of that, when everything is obviously entirely online at this point in time. So, I think we're going to have to do training. People are going to have to be trained on how to meet face-to-face. Yeah, and also one of the articles I read when I did a little, so I know I mentioned last week that I was going to look at Breaking the Trance, and as expected, it did come up with loads of references to music. But once I sort of filtered through those, I found an article in Harvard Business Review, which was called 10 Ways to Recover from Zoom Fatigue. Now, some of them were really obvious, like look away from the screen, you know, get up from the screen every now and then which is fine unless you have back-to-back -back meetings all the time or you get accused of not concentrating <laughs> because it looks like you're looking out the window and you're too distracted um, but number nine was a really really interesting one so it was find one thing to do every day that affirms your identity um, so this guy who wrote the article said that both me and my wife need to dance every day especially through this stressful time because it keeps us connected to who we are and will be outside of lockdown and what sort of dance do you think you'll try out so i thought i'd put that question to you <laughs> oh man what would i do I'm trying to think um i maybe do like maybe um maybe do um 
gosh, you put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> There's so many to choose from. I'd probably, yeah, um, what's it called? Um, Napoleon Dynamite. I'd probably do a, like when they do their skits in that, I'd probably maybe <laughs> do something like that, obviously without anyone seeing. Well, I've started off just with a simple rumba and then um, I've gone into a little bit of tap every now and then. So I've, I'm actually going to keep that going, I think. It's, it's pretty good. And it's a good bit of exercise as well. And obviously, we've now got, for the first time since lockdown, rain, haven't we? Which has been quite a strange yeah. thing. Um, so actually, that is my hour's exercise a day is, you know, just a 10 minute dance in between meetings now. So that's that's going quite well, I think. Um, I mean, going back to the whole Zoom thing, you know, we're, we're having debates now with lots of people, sort of like real healthy discussions about, you know, uh, you know, public consultation is not a Zoom meeting. And I know we're talking about this. We pro I think this is going to be coming up every week. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Scottish government has kind of issued guidance for planning applications that you have to have a two and a half hour online meeting. It's yeah, like, or it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. I mean, what's, where's that come from? They have been to a two and a half hour online meeting. You know? That could that could be your Meldry moment every week. Like, we, just, we rebrand it to Zoom Meldry moment of the week. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like you know, it's it's taking the the really bad idea of public meetings, which just really don't work. Uh, they're just they're just like a bad normally a bad experience i'm generalizing but they just tend to be a bad experience for uh, everyone involved lots yeah. of shouting and then loads of people who don't get a chance to say anything it's taking that concept and then saying oh i know let's do that online it's like oh no what's going on out there yeah, so, it kind of it magnifies people's natural and innate personalities. We obviously see that in student and in the education environment as well, whereby if you've got a massive lecture theatre and you're asking lots of questions and things like that, the quiet people, and I was one of those at university as well, will sit in silence for a lot of it and digest some information and then go away, but they won't necessarily be really, really engaged. And that's just amplified, really, isn't it, by the online meeting scenario, um, unless you've got very small groups. So like seminar groups, for example, I know at university, I would be much more involved because there were, you know, groups of six, for example. But in a lecture theatre of 200, I wouldn't necessarily feel that my voice was going to be loud enough to be heard. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just amplifying that, I think. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm kind of being a bit extreme because there is a time and a place for online uh, webinars and video conferencing and things like that. But, you know. As yeah. we mix it up, there's much better ways of getting people involved on an asynchronous basis where they can dip in and dip out. We talked a lot about that last week. Yeah, yeah, and our, client, our clients allude to that all the time. Now, talking of that, we back in week one, which seems already like a long time ago, when we first did this podcast, you were doing a rapid online deliberation project with Traverse and the Ada Lovelace Institute. Have you got any update on that? Has that reached a conclusion as yet? Yeah, it has, um, and um, I'm, it'd be great when the report comes out because we can really start yeah. doing that with people. But I've seen people, you know, coming out with great ideas, telling their stories about how they feel about coming out of lockdown, really providing project team with real rich data, um, and so I'm yeah. seeing that coming out of the report. And that what they actually did, which I thought was really cool, is they've taken those discussions that people were having in discussion forums and ideas boards and things like that and then they've got a cartoonist to mock them up into like a graphic um oh, you, know, brilliant. you see happen at face-to-face -face events where you know someone keeps a visual record of uh, what people have been talking about just like yeah. that or in courtrooms 
<laughs> yeah, simply that. Although you could probably zoom from the courtroom now. <laughs> so you can watch it anyway. I think they changed the rights, didn't they? So that you can actually, yeah. and some of them will get streamed or something like that. So you might not have that cartoonist anymore. But no, yeah. it's a great idea, isn't it? To have, to have. Like yeah, a so we're going to be, there's going to be some blogs coming out. We're going to do a case study with our friends at Traverse. Yeah, watch this space. And we may even get Anna also as a guest on our podcast in the future, hopefully. Oh, really? That's a revelation. I didn't know that. Well, that would be really, really exciting. You um, I didn't try and say Anna's last name because she has pulled me up on it. So, Oh, she mentioned it. I knew. Yeah, I knew. Uh, what, you, did you get it wrong? I think so. She's booked me in for training. <laughs> Pronunciation training of my surname. Yeah, I've seen that. That's gone in the calendar, actually. Yeah, so maybe I've been invited to it as well because I think I attempted it. So that's good. I mean, lining up so these bringing more guests in, that'll be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I noticed as well. There's been, uh, as always, a lot of really good engagement HQ projects that have been launched this week. Yeah. Anything in particular stand out for you? There are about five for me. I did narrow it down to one in the interest of time. But I'm really excited by what's happening at tower hamlets they've got um oh yeah yeah they've got a project on people's suggestions for how they how walking cycling and cycling and social distancing could be made easier in their area and um there are let me just do a rough count they're using a map so people are dropping maps on you know street corners and near where they live they're dropping pins and saying well you know this this pavement needs widening and there's poor wheelchair access here etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think at the, at the current count there are that's uh, uh 1300 maybe 1400 comment pins dropped on the map by people just continue providing wow. them people that's really come alive so we'll yeah. put we'll put a link in to that project people can have a look at it and hopefully that will give them some inspiration as well yeah, definitely, because there was, um, I know we, we alluded to the Enfield one, didn't we, yeah. where they did the COVID street space plan, and that was another one that's that had a, a lot of contributions to it, and it's really making a positive difference and giving the council a really good steer on the, on the types of measures they need to take and to give people assurance that things are going to be safe when the full lockdown comes to an end, which I understand is kind of Monday, isn't it, when the shops reopen and stuff like that. It's just the pubs and restaurants now we need. <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. But the one I looked at this week, and as I say, there were quite a few to choose from, was um, Be First London, It's Time to Lift the Curfew. Now, from the title of that, you wouldn't think it is actually what it is. So what they've done is they've drawn up really exciting new plans to give Barking's 500-year-old curfew tower a makeover. So they're looking at things like decluttering the approach to the tower, radically improving the landscaping. Um, to make it a lot more visible and more attractive in terms of being a place to visit, um, relax and sit down. Um, but they're also introducing a bronze model of the ancient abbey to which the curfew tower was the principal gateway to explain the historic importance of the site. And um, so it's a really good project. Again, we'll put that up on the blurb that accompanies this podcast as well. But what I was really struck by was, and I know we always talk about the deep engagement tools, but actually it wasn't that. It was their use of the widgets that really, really impressed me. Now, what they'd done was... Um, aside from uploading a load of really good documents around the history of the tower and heritage in Barking Town, um, all of that sort of stuff, really good photos and illustrations bank. So dating hundreds of years back what the tower used to look like and then also including their plans for what 
they think it should look like in the future or what it could look like. Then they use the deep engagement tools. Um, they've got a latest news, so they're using that tool. Um, they're doing a little survey on it as well. And then they're using the ideas board to get people to add their comments and suggestions about their proposed um, redevelopment plans. So that's a really good one, really visual as well, um, the way in which they've set it out. So definitely worth checking that out. Yeah, definitely will. Now, I in the weeks, because I know it's been three weeks now since I did a really poor Victor Meldrew moment attempt of actually impersonating his voice and I think I gave him a Lancashire accent which oh, no. a very very posh south accent just didn't work but I have been practicing so I think I think this is closer to it so it's something like I don't believe it so I think that's better than my first effort which was like a deep Lancastrian sort of husk of a voice um, but did you have any Meldrew moments this week? I've I've got one which actually does relate to North and South, but you go for it because you, you might have a whole queue of them. I'm going to give you two. What one is back to Zoom? Another one is what I read. I read. I can't find the reference. So I'll try and maybe I can find it if I Google the phrase. But apparently, anxiety around COVID nineteen is making people less likely or may make people less likely to take part in civic engagement. Because they're, because they're worried. Yeah, and also they, they're basically like, oh, there's no point in me trying to do it. I can't do, do anything anymore. I can't influence anything. I can't affect anything. The world's in the right mess. I'm not bothering. Ah, so it's like an apathy towards yeah, everything right. that they see on the news because it's like an absolute minefield of news wherever you go isn't it and that's just overwhelming them perhaps yeah yeah so you know as democracy superheroes you know we've got our work cut out once again to you know make people you know feel that there is worth participating in you know local public consultations and uh, engagement um, around their local nhs and things like that so yeah that yeah. makes me a bit grumpy the other, the other grumpy was that my sister told me she'd been on a Zoom uh, with 273 people. Oh, so they're just like these tiny little postage stamp size yeah. but images I'm moving. I'm guessing that was probably more like a presentation and she just had to listen. So maybe it was okay. But there you go. There, there's my two. <laughs> well, I looked, I looked into this book that you recommended last week. So How Not to Murder Your Grumpy by Carol Wire. Yeah. And the thing that really, the thing that really stood out to me was on the back, just like the the back cover of it, and it said, "From collecting airline sick bags to absorbing, you will be sure to find an absorbing pastime for your beloved curmudgeon." Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, have you ever tried absorbing? Because I think in the social distancing type of era, it's probably wouldn't even need a mask. It's quite a safe way to travel. I think they'll take. I think you're right, Elton. It'll take off. We, you know, we will all have individual absorbs. <laughs> I can imagine them here. There'll be different colours so that you can we can you know reduce the number of people that are out on any one day. So you could have like a red zorb, a green zorb, and, and a, a yellow zorb, and the yellows can go out on one day, and the greens can go out on another. Um, yes, you know, colour coded zorbs. I'm going to suggest that to my um, local council. Actually, yeah, um, you can just imagine them kind of bouncing off cars in the street and stuff like that. But no one will get injured. No, um, no. it's the future. I'm glad you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look into absorbing. Our podcast is now informing government policy. <laughs> 
this must be the best social distancing pastime ever. Right. And I, I live quite near the um, Ashdown Forest, and there's some really good open spaces and hills there. I'm, I actually might think about giving it a go. But <laughs> my, no, that wasn't my Meldrew moment, though. It's just that you reminded me because you'd said, have a look at this book. And yeah, it was quite a good absorbing back cover. Um, but my Meldrew moment was around the north-south disparity between saying a brew and a cup of tea. Oh. Why it annoys me is for the following reason. Why can't both be acceptable? Why, why does it matter? But why is, why is it worthy? And, and, and this takes me right the way back to my university days when I used to live with someone from Pontefract in Yorkshire, um, someone who was a Geordie and someone who was from Reading. And there was this ever long debate about saying cup of tea or a brew and it went on and on and on pretty much throughout the full four years I was at university with the same people but why can't both be correct it's, it's fine surely yeah yeah I, yeah I get that but you know what when it comes to getting people involved in, in engagement and getting people to take part in stuff language matters you know language really yeah. becomes important you know the whole and symbolism and everything. So yeah, getting getting the word for a, a brew right it can be really important. Yeah, see, so I I can't see it. I just think, well, you know, it's great that we have, and everyone, you know, um, our boss Ray has mentioned it as well, as he's travelled around, well, pre-lockdown, sort of travelled around and met so many different people. All those different dialects and the way people say things are amazing. So why try and then? say oh well, no if you say that it's wrong or if you say that it's wrong no yeah. it's just where you come from and that's the way it is and yeah. be told no, about it no, there's no right or wrong is there it's just being sensitive just to letting those differences happen yeah and yeah. um, so needless to say i'm not in touch with any of those people from university now and we fell out about it to the point where we can never speak so well, there you go <laughs> <laughs> no i'm joking anything coming up this week that you're particularly excited about before we before we close and carry on with our fork in the world of soup day Ah, uh, the OECD published their work on innovative citizen participation and new democratic institutions catching the deliberative wave. So I'm looking wow. forward to reading that because I haven't read it yet, um, seeing what it's all about, and maybe we can follow up next week with a bit of a bit of a summary on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's feed that back next week. That'd be really good. Yeah. So that's that's something I'm looking forward to. Also, um, I've got a task for you. Uh, going back to our book, How Not to Murder Your Grumpy. I thought we'd start at the beginning under A, and it says introduce your grumpy to uh, to the absorbing and completely time consuming hobby of aviation, particularly aeroplanes. So I was going to give you the challenge of um, coming up with engagement with aeroplanes and airports. Okay, yeah. Now, I know a guy I used to work with in my previous life at Pearson who is actually a pilot. Um, and he, in his spare time, he, he had to run a certain number of flights a year to retain his license. So I might check in with him and see if he's got anything to add to that. I think a lot of the airports do a lot of public consultation and a lot of um, stakeholder engagement. So let's see what you can come up with. Okay, well, that's great. I've, I've got plenty of homework to do. So I'm going to go off and, and do that. And then we'll move on to B next week. Oh, some good stuff in there. Yeah, well, yeah, we can carry it all the way through to Z. It'll probably bring us back to Zorbing. Probably will. Be a good one to finish off with. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great to catch up. Yeah. Have a good week. And yeah, until next time. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the UK Consult. 
Join us for future conversations each week as we continue to explore the tremendous, meaningful and ever-evolving world of digital consultation and community engagement. You can view additional educational resources at bangthetable.com.